there. Welcome to the I Am Me Collective podcast. My name is Gabby Gilbride, and I'm so excited to have you here with me today. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for giving me your time. Um, and thank you to my bestie, Erin. Hi. Me today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have Erin with us. Erin is a wonderful playwright, actor, a jack of all trades creator. She's really ooh. wonderful. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> you deserve the hype. You're totally just wonderful and an amazing person. And I'm just really happy to have you here with me on this first episode of this podcast. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Erin and I also did another podcast together. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we might do more. We might do more. We can <laughs> listen. That podcast is my bestie. It is there for me when I need it. <laughs> and when I need it to not be there, I can ignore it. And that's why I love it. So Erin and I did a Twilight recap podcast. <laughs> we have one season of it um, called Fang Girls. You can also go listen to that wherever you get your mm-hmm. podcasts. Um, and we would talk about Twilight. And <laughs> In we, depth. We re- yeah, we reread it. I was rereading it for the first time as an adult, and then we'd have guests on, and we'd talk about the chapters and do breakdowns and talk about like uh, Twilight with our fresh adult perspective. Mm-hmm. Pretty fun. Um, that's Erin. Anything that you want to you want to share about yourself? Uh, um. Sure. Yeah, I can definitely just give like my my quick spiel about I guess who I am. Um, first and foremost, I am a friend to Gabby, uh, <laughs> and yeah, so so thrilled to to be here and to be chatting with you. You know, Gabby and I talk a lot about creativity and artistry and all of that in our free time anyway. So it's it's going to be exciting to like record it and listen back to it later and try and make sense of what what we talk about um but yes I am a I'm an actor I'm a playwright um all of my plays are available for production check me out on new play exchange e-r-y-n-e-l-y-s-e-m-c-v-a-y Erin Elise McVeigh uh feel free to inquire about rights um yeah I actor playwright singer uh just overall um I like to tell stories and uh collaborate with other people uh i am a teacher i like working with young people on their writing um and just in general i i really enjoy uh having conversations and trying in my own small way to uh promote and practice more healthy sustainable creative habits um so that's a little bit about me so much that is a perfect segue into why we're here today what what is i am the collective what is it all about why are we here it's what aaron just said is such a big staple um to this community that i'm that i'm dreaming of building that you listener are a part of thank you um making creativity sustainable and something that we do from a place of of joy and of gratitude and exploration curiosity I feel like all of these things, um, in my experience, are are things that I used to have before I went through formal training and formal education, and then that really 
hate to say it. I love my program. You'll hear more about it later. I feel like I ended up in a great program and I'm very fortunate. But even, you know, just a formal structure of teaching someone about art can make us kind of forget that art isn't always something that can be taught. There's technical, there are technical parts, of course, that can be taught and that are really helpful to learn and, and to know about. But there's other side the other side no one's teaching us about no one talks about just having fun no one talks about showing up for the sake of showing up you know for yourself and for your creativity and because you know you're here on this planet and that's what we get to do regardless of uh our expectation you know whether we're making money or whether we do it for a hobby whether we show people whether it's just for us we should be doing it if we want to be doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like, you know, uh, Gabby was first telling me about the idea to form this community um, when I saw her this summer. And it was just so exciting to hear because I feel like, yeah, there isn't a lot of places people can go to learn about everything you just said um, outside of, you know, there's, I'm sure there's endless books and readings and, you know, uh, lots of work that you can do as an individual, which is helpful. Absolutely. And I'm just, you know, I'm very pleased that pleased. What a strange word. <laughs> oh my gosh. I went, I went into like full teacher mode for a second there. Um, like choosing my words very carefully. And yet um, I still curse like a sailor in my classes. Um, but I'm very excited this is happening. Um, you know, there's, I know that there are people out there forming these communities, but it, it's exciting to see someone that I know in my direct network uh, doing that as well, because that means that it is a growing uh, idea. And I, I hope that other people are curious about it. Yeah, me too. Yes. I just, I want, I want, <laughs> I want all kinds of artists in this community. I feel I'm so inspired by Aaron and I, I, maybe I already mentioned this. If not, I'm mentioning it now, but Aaron and I went through the same acting program. Um, and she also studied playwriting and some other things through our program as well that I that I didn't um, put as much emphasis on. But one of these things that we both were strongly involved in was this idea of a devised theater. Mm -hmm. um, we're always creating with devised theater methods. That was a huge emphasis in our training program. And um, I think that that's important for this community as well. Um, mm. devising, like creating like a kid, like that's what devising always made me feel like, like for some background, when we, from an acting perspective, we're working on this thing called devising, which is just, it's a way of creating work. It's just another, a format, a formula, a method that you can use to start from nothing and end up with something. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really, I was always really inspired by that and how it as a group of adults, young adults, uh, in an acting studio running around and playing like kids and like yelling silly things and like building structures out of chairs and furniture. And I, I 
just feel like that's such a unique opportunity that we're not given all the time. Uh, it's hard as adults to find creative communities where like play is really emphasized. Like, yeah, I, I feel like I can remember when I first got introduced to devising and, you know, the kind of nature of the program we were in, and this was all pre-COVID, all pre-pandemic. Um, so, you know, we were on campus all the time and I think both very heavily involved, you know, with our uh, school community. And there was a lot of uh, kind of mysteries. I, I don't know if you feel this way, but a lot of like mystery surrounding like devising from the upperclassmen. I always felt like it was this like, yes, like, oh, when you get to your comps, it's going to be this huge thing. And it was, you know, it was a big thing. We had a, you have to put in a ton of hours. Um, you know, the way that we were taught how to devise was starting with a like a hunch or a prompt and quite literally just spending hours in the studio playing intentionally mm -hmm. playing and then pulling content out of that collaboratively which if you've ever done a group project you know that you know agreeing on anything can <laughs> be really difficult and so it was it was such a strange uh for me just speaking for myself when i when i finally started devising um I just remember one being, I was really intimidated at first because it's just so not what I had been taught up to that point, especially in Gabby, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, but coming from, we both come from backgrounds as singers, which is a highly technical um, craft. And, you know, I was spending a lot of time focusing on that and then going into devising where I was like, there quite literally isn't a wrong way to do it. Um, so yeah, I would love to hear like your thoughts on the intersection of like more technique focused um, work, such as singing or anything else um, and devising. And, you know, I know you've been on a huge journey with a lot of those things. I just feel like in my this is a good segue. We'll we'll talk a little bit. I'll get into some of my personal backstory for for y'all. Um, this is a big part of my artistic journey and what's bringing us here today. I feel like for a long time in my journey as an artist, I was like completely frozen in the technical. Mm. I and because of that, it's like it was all in my brain. Everything was like oh. Are the things I need to think about to be a quote unquote good singer, actor, director, whatever I'm doing. Um, you know, it was all about like, oh, I have to do these things, follow these exact steps, and then I will be be good at this. And right, that's like if you're not going to be quote unquote good at it, then why would you do it at all? Mm -hmm. It's a really, really harmful perspective that I used to hold my own work. It was so bad that, you know, I would, it was the summer after my freshman year of college, and this is like a time where that just kind of really stands out to me. Um, I had started as a freshman working with a new voice teacher, like many people do, and this voice teacher was wonderful and has helped me so much with my voice and, and with, with life, and I'm, I'm, she's, my teacher is deeply meaningful to me. Um, but I went in there feeling like I knew my voice and I knew myself and I was so connected intuitively to my instrument um, in, in a specific way. 
And I got into voice lessons and it felt like, oh, wait, you mean that every single thing I thought was wrong? But, <laughs> and it was kind of earth shattering. Um, and that has been my experience, unfortunately, with technical training is that it takes what I feel like I understand intuitively. Mm. It kind of like shatters it and rips it apart. Um, and I feel like that is also, of course, a result of us having like so much of our technical understanding based in like, or rooted in Western teachings and Western yeah. knowledge. You know, it takes that's a very small box to fit a really expansive thing like creativity into because creativity mm -hmm. is so much about spirit and that's going to be unique to like every single person who is you know practicing some kind of creative act is going to have that they're going to embody that differently and i don't think that that's emphasized technical teaching enough i'm sure there are wonderful teachers and practitioners who put emphasis on that um i think that more widely it's it's about it's about profit and like these are the technical yeah. steps you need to do if you want to like make money or if you want your work to be like digestible by abc person yeah it is so so for anyone listening who doesn't know i am currently um in graduate school for playwriting i've just started my my final year my thesis year and um you know this experience has been so deeply transformative um, be, just because of so many of the things that you're talking about right now. Like I remember going into grad school, I felt like as a writer, you know, in undergrad where most of our playwriting classes, we weren't really, you know, we weren't being like tested on or graded by, oh, do you have a major dramatic question? Is it clear? Do you have this you know, crisis point, is it clear? Like, yeah, we talk about that, but it wasn't for a grade um, or anything like that. It was very free form. It was very like, you're just going to bring in pages, blah, blah, blah. And then I got to grad school and, you know, I, I wanted to go to grad school for, to have, you know, a more rigorous uh, challenge. Like those were things I was seeking. Um, and the first year, which was kind of my only quote, like normal year, or at least how the program was supposed to function, um, my first year was, yeah, I had that same like earth shattering experience. Um, because I felt like I'd always written from a place of intuition of like, or as I call it now, uh, like following the thread of inspiration. Um, oh, oh, Aaron, I love that. That gives me, oh, that gives me chills. Yeah. That's like my mantra now is just like follow the thread of inspiration. And so that's how I was working beforehand because I was, you know, very fortunate to get to be taught by a absolutely amazing playwriting teacher in my undergrad who was very, very free form, very encouraging, um, an amazing dramaturg. So it would just help you understand like what's actually happening in your work and shaping it from there. And then I got to grad school and it was like, I, I still remember my first workshop. I was so excited. I'd been thinking about this play for years. And I knew the draft wasn't perfect, but I was still stoked. And the, the room afterward was so brutal. Like, like, I remember the facilitator asked, like, okay, what did we like? And there was, like, 30 straight seconds of silence. And I was just, like, in my head, I was, like, <gasps> you, there's eight of you in this room, and you can't think of one thing you liked. Like, are you so focused on, like, ripping apart my structure 
and my technique that you, you literally can't even say like one thing you liked. And, you know, I think that a lot of artists will shy away from like, oh, compliments, you know, don't make you better at your craft, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, it's not about compliments. It's about like what is resonating. And I find that so many people are so focused on needing to be right when it comes to to art and creation um, that that gets lost. And I, I just really felt that my first year, I don't know if this is really making sense at all, but I just really felt that my first year and my brain completely rewired to only think about like the rules. And as a result, oh. like by the end of my first year and for my entire second year of grad school, I was almost like completely debilitated by writer's block. Like every time I sat down to write, it would end in tears. I would get a page done. And, you know, maybe that's just part of like learning and growing. I don't know, but I just remember towards like the middle of last year, I was like, there has to be a better way. This cannot be like, if this is what my future looks like, if I can't find methods and systems and practices to get myself out of this, I will never write again. Like I will completely abandon this after grad school. Um, is that, you know, that was kind of like my personal impetus for trying to figure some shit out. But yeah, I just remember like where I remember thinking like, where is the intuition? Where is the like innate trust of you as a human being? You know, I think to have humanity is to have creativity is to have artistry and in academia specifically, that is just like so not the focus uh, for so many things. Um, and I think that as actors, you know, we really got and getting to learn how to devise, getting to learn about viewpoints and all of that, you know, we were incredibly fortunate to have a big focus on that. You know, even though I don't particularly want to like be a divisor for the rest of my life, you know, that's not necessarily my preferred method of creation. Yeah. Having having that foundation and that knowledge is like such a lifeline. Res that resonates with me so strongly what you just said. But I really want to point out the specific word that you use, that innate, innate trust. Mm -hmm. that's, that's not that's not something that formal training. Well, this whole conversation, I'm just I'm loving it. <laughs> also, this might be <laughs> this might just be a great time. All this intuition talk, like that is that I feel like that's also a huge part of what brought me mm -hmm. here to wanting to create this space is that you know in so much of my work I've done a lot of technical work I feel like I front loaded <laughs> a ton of technical work in my <laughs> acting and my singing and all of that and totally broke my spirit and this like latter this later half of my not half lol i'm only 25 but this more well, jokes on you you're gonna die at 50 gabby <laughs> it is halfway through <laughs> the fates have spoken yikes <laughs> <laughs> it's fun it's just funny that you <laughs> wait what <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm cracking up. I'm having a real witch moment, folks. Oh. I guess this is as good a time as ever to just kind of come out of the broom closet. This podcast <laughs> is going to be <laughs> not the broom cupboard. Well, like we're talking about, it, you know, the 
intuition mm -hmm. at this part of my life is everything to me and learning how to reconnect that and mm -hmm. like how much I've grown technically also because I stopped thinking so much about yes technique once I stopped making oh, technique the focus and started making like my spirit the focus and like just loving what I was doing then I started doing the things technically correct those things that were technically correct would you can't see me right now but I'm doing all these air quotes because I don't like talking about correctness when with creativity um I don't I don't like that <laughs> from a technical perspective there are things that are quote unquote and those things started showing up more in my work once I wasn't thinking about them. <laughs> Dude, literally yesterday, or Friday, I spent all day structuring out act one of my thesis. And I've never been able to do this. Uh, I think this, this was kind of made popular by uh, the writers of South Park. The, the, there's a technique you can use to like help keep your writing very active. And it's the rule is like, if you can separate everything that happens in your script with the words but and then therefore so it's like this happens but this happens therefore this happens but so that keeps it active right I've never been able to do that with my plays even my plays that are more active I couldn't like comprehend how to like it just didn't make sense to me and I did that on Friday and it came so naturally like I just felt like I had this total understanding and I was like improving in the moment of like oh and then this could happen and then this could happen and I haven't experienced that in so long and I just know it's not a coincidence that like for the past you know year or so I've really tried to shift my focus to this intuitively driven creative process and it was just such a like delicious exciting moment of reflection where I could like exactly what you just said where I was like wow I'm understanding structure better now that I'm just freeing myself from the need to do it right yes oh my gosh I just read this book called um I'm about to recommend it in the title completely slipped from my mind uh, the inner game of my tennis good reads out. have you read the inner game of tennis the you say inner i-n-n-e-r Yes, the inner game of tennis. No, but I audience, everybody, I cannot recommend this book enough. Also, though, I am a nonfiction nerd, and I love. You are? Yeah, I have like most of the books that I own are nonfiction. Most of my audiobooks also are nonfiction. I love um, like, I love, I like nonfiction. Nonfiction's good. Um, yeah, I love fiction too, you know, mm -hmm. of course. But <laughs> this book is one of those nonfiction books um, that listening to this author, I listened to the audiobook and it changed everything because it's all about our innate knowledge and all about wow. what we're talking about right now about how uh, if our brain is centered around technique, then it's a really limiting story that we tell ourselves mm -hmm. because it's all based on this small technical window and it doesn't account for any of our 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 body's natural understanding of in this book mm. it's about tennis um but you know talking really specifically as we've learned about lots of things you know if he's talking really specifically about tennis then I can yes. relate that to acting or to writing mm -hmm. or to abc um so 
audience, if you are a painter, if you write, if you are, if you do textile art, anything like that, you know, inner game of tennis could still be great for you because you are intuitive. You are creating intuitively and you are capable of so much <laughs> in the, in that way. Um, but we, we all kind of step in and get in our own way by telling ourselves this really mm -hmm. limiting story about technique or about what makes work what makes it good, what makes, um, what makes it worthy when really all of us are inherently worthy. Um, we are creating something that has never been here before. We are, that's just magic. That's incredible. Can I recommend a book as well? Oh my God. Yeah, duh. Yes. Okay. This book changed my life. And I don't say that lightly. It literally, it not only did it change my life as an artist, it changed my life as a teacher. It changed my life as a student. It changed my life as a person. It's called the Anti-Racist Writing Workshop, How to Decolonize the Creative Classroom by Felicia Rose Chavez. Um, I highly recommend buying it because you will want to reread it over and over. Um, the number, there's so many glorious things in this book and I feel like the title might scare away some people who it's like, yes, of course it talks about the inherent racism in the American school system. Um, but it is also so it expands upon so many things. So I would say, you know, if you are afraid of being made to feel bad by this book, uh, just get over it and give it a try. Um, but <laughs> I say whenever we have feelings like that, it's worth leaning in and being yes. curious. Like, hmm, yes. what's making me feel so resistant to this? Exactly. Um, but something I really took away from that, and you know, for those who can't see me, um, I am white, I'm a white woman. Um, so I have not experienced um, racism really of any kind in this country. Um, and that is a privilege of mine. And in this book, she talks about how largely in the in the western you know american classroom um you are being taught you know we know this you're being taught uh, curriculum books stuff like that by mostly white authors this is very well known um and we're i feel like we're finally now kind of actually talking about it and the few authors you might have your on your reading list for your class that are not white, it's usually going to, you're, you're probably going to have like one black author who's, you know, specifically talking about the African-American experience in relation to whiteness in this country, or you'll have one Asian-American author, um, similar things. Of course, there's exceptions to this, but in general, like, I feel like we kind of know this to be true. Um, mm -hmm. And really what this is doing, not only is this just like kind of a, I think a very lazy practice um, to not critically look at your syllabi and what you're teaching your students, but like literally what it's doing, especially in a writing classroom is you're saying, I'm going to critique your work based off of this barometer, this meter. And, you know, everything I'm saying right now is like probably nothing new for people of color that I'm sure that, you know, many of you already have an innate understanding of this. But she talks a lot about how it like what you were saying, it puts you in this box of you are going your work is quite literally going to be graded against what we consider the standard. But the standard like how can you even create a standard for creativity? Yes. Because yes. you have, you know, like this semester I have like 20 students 
cumulative, uh, like across all my classes, 15 to 20, they are all completely different human beings with different experiences and different impulses and different things that they want to express. And so it just seems like pretty deranged to me that I could ever, you know, tell them like, oh, you need to do this better. You need to do that better. Like, I really think it has to be about intention. And, you know, if by any chance any of my students are listening to this, you'll know that I am teaching structure this semester. That is something that I am being told by the school I must teach you. And so, you know, it's this really fine line I find as like a teacher who's also a student who wants to encourage uniqueness, but also is being held to a standard to teach structure. And it's just like, it's such a weird paradox to try and wrap my mind around. But my big takeaway from that book was like, you know, I, I, I get, I'll get so sad sometimes because I'll, I'll read like a really good play and I'm like, oh, why can't I write like this? Why can't I write like this? And it's like, well, bitch, that's not me. I can't do this because I didn't write that. Like, <laughs> I can't write like that because that's not fucking me. So why shouldn't I, like, once I really started, you know, practicing, it, like, it was so much more than just, like, a mind shift. I had to really practice it, and I still practice it, of, like, leaning into my own uniqueness as a creator. Um, life is way better, and I get way less down on myself. Right? Right? Mm -hmm. And you're, you're absolutely, I agree with you in what you're saying. It's a practice. It's... Mm -hmm. It's not an overnight shift um, mm -mm. at all. And it takes, or maybe, maybe something happens and overnight you do feel like, oh my God, my life changed. Something, <laughs> I'm about to talk about some of those moments that I've had. Yes. <laughs> Give me your but, epiphanies. Yeah. But like, you know, after that realization, after that kind of energetic shift, nothing's going to happen if you don't practice it, it all, it comes yeah. back into, into action and being active mm -hmm. in our, in our discoveries and in our creative curiosity. Mm -hmm. um, we can ask ourselves, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if all day, if we don't put pen to paper, if we don't start doing the choreography, if we don't, you know, bring brush to canvas, whatever it is we're doing just stays in the what if land. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, this this debilitating fear of trying um that I have certainly experienced many times and I feel like I can confidently say you have experienced before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is oh, it's so hard. It's it's such a hard thing to to confront. Um and it's I really think that like the you know, the fear of trying is at the root of many, many things um, in my own, like, creative blocks. Creativity, it gets so vulnerable. It brings out... Mm -hmm. I feel like being creative, it's, like, directly putting out there for everyone to see, like, our personal connection. Yeah. Like, the source. Like, to what makes us humans. To mm -hmm. whatever it is that as we've said, we all have this uniqueness, every single one of us. And it's like, it's vulnerable to show that. And it's so hard because at the end of the day, it's safe to create. Safe. No one's going to, it doesn't put our body in danger to, to you know, create something. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> but like the story, like we've been taught to have so much fear around it. 
um, when it's when it's safe and it's special and like there's just so much pain and insecurity and competition and just all mm -hmm. these things that are so antithetical to creativity. Well, and what you said earlier about like leaning into the things we're resistant to, like I've started asking myself, like, what if I leaned into this insecurity? What if I leaned into this fear I have of trying? And then all of a sudden I'm writing a piece about that and it's becoming an expression instead of a, what am I going to write today? Let me plan it out. And listen, that works for some people. And like, I am in awe of you. If you can sit down and plan out like what you're going to do that day, beat for beat, um, that is amazing but it does not work for me. I know this now. Um, and yeah, leaning into what you are feeling because that that is art. It, like we're literally putting into the world, like this is how I view things. This is how things feel to me, things look to me. Um, it's very personal. Absolutely. And all of us just go on such a unique artistic journey. Mm -hmm. you like so hard to to say like cut and dry that's one of the things i love about it there's no way to say like this is how you be an artist because like you're going to have immediately like a million examples that contradict <laughs> that list of abc that you just said because nobody you know no two people have the exact same path um that they're following i just think that's so beautiful and so amazing and i think that's something that a lot of people struggle with, I know I certainly do, um, the whole like, oh, this person, you know, came from the same program as me and they're younger than me and they're getting more stuff. They're booking more gigs. They're getting more selections. Like it is, you know, I, I feel like it's almost a cliche at this point, like to say like, oh, comparison is the death of, what's it called? Like comparison is the death of art. Of art, yeah, comparison's the death of art. Yeah. And like, I can think back to six years ago now being in my pre-school year meeting with my acting professors and talking about what I'm what I wanna focus on this year. And every single year I talked about wanting to stop comparing myself to others, that, that I really yeah. felt like that was my huge, like quite literally like paralyzing uh, fear all through undergrad and I, still struggle with it and I probably will forever and it's just like again like but that's not me like that person who's younger than me and is you know more air quotes successful uh or seemingly more successful like the reason that's not happening to me is because that's not me it's like, it, when I say when I say it out loud it sounds so like elementary and cut and dry but it's really hard it's really hard. No, are you kidding? That's, I think that is something so universal. And I think so many people can relate. I 1000% can relate to like having those, those feelings and it like comparison and, and scarcity, especially mm -hmm. we're taught yeah. so much. This also, I feel like goes back to like, you know, formal training definitely teaches you that you have to follow these steps because like, there's a scarcity mindset. Yes. There's there's no room to explore anything else, which is so funny because I feel like the people we look up to and we maybe, not that we should idolize people, we're all just people. 
we don't need to be on a pedestal, but there's nothing wrong with having people you look up to and who like inspire the hell out of you. <clears throat> Meryl Streep. Uh, yeah, Annie Baker. Please email me. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, their success, like you're saying it's 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 theirs, mm-hmm. and like I don't want their success. Like I want no. my success. Exactly. I want. I want the success that's going to come from my like most amazing, most juicy, and like mm-hmm. ugh, excited place. Like I want my myself to be like so fully behind whatever it is that leads to my success Mm -hmm. because I know that if I'm chasing that thing that's going that led to their success exactly like you said well that's not me yeah like it's that's so funny to think about like as unique as we all are just like spiritually creativity creativity blah 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 blah, Uh uh we're scouting (laughs) they were following (laughs) um (laughs) there are also just as many different forms or versions of success out there like there is, n- we do not, we have to just eliminate the scarcity mindset around it. Like yes. we all get to have a different definition of success. Who's to say that we all have even the same, you know, one definition of success for someone might look like living in a mansion and one might be like, oh, I just want to be able to afford like gardening supplies so I can grow my own veggies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolutely. And this is where, you know, you kind of touched on it earlier, but like, this is where capitalism comes in because, you know, I, I really, in the, in recent years, um, I've been on such a journey with like how I view like famous people, because I feel like, you know, when you grow up, or at least for me, like I grew up with a parent who loves like, celeb- like I would watch celebrity, like gossip news every night, like. I would read celebrity magazines, like People Magazine, I would read and like, very much, you know, like I wanted to be an actor, I want, you know, I would, I I would idolize celebrities like all the time. Um, And now as I'm getting older, um, one, I have to ask myself, like, like, you know, I constantly check in with myself in terms of like defining my own success. That was something else that very fortunately, you know, was talked about when I was like, oh, sophomore in college like I had an acting professor who would talk about that all the time um and that was a really helpful helpful idea for me to start thinking about early um and how this connects to capitalism and celebrities is that I feel like because in our culture and I don't know if this will ever go away and I don't know if it necessarily I don't know I don't want to get into that but we literally like they are called celebrities like we idolize them these are like american royalty right you know like meryl streep she is i would argue is american royalty um oh one of my heart (laughs) yeah one of the closest things we have you know to like a a royal is you know meryl streep lady gaga like these huge we can't even walk down the street and all of that is connected to money because we know who these people are because they are they were so great at what they do that they get a lot of jobs and we see them more yeah and so we want to be like them because they are so visible but it's like I don't know. I just feel really like, I'll just say, I feel really bad for anyone who quite literally is like my goal in life is to become like famous or a celebrity or something. And like, 
you know, if you're listening and that's you, like I'm a, I'm nobody. So don't give a fuck about what I think, but I just feel like I personally feel that to chase that, to, to actively be like, that is my goal is to chase like the need to be rewarded in the capitalistic machine for your art. And I know that for me personally, if I make my focus money, if I make my focus fame, if I make my focus accolades, I will crumble. And this is, I'm only speaking for myself here. Like I will never make anything good again. Yeah. Like that cannot be my personal focus. And so I've just been thinking about this a lot recently about how, you know, like I work a lot with young people, people, 18 year olds, 19 year olds. I work a lot with young people and, um, it's just very fascinating for me to observe how this this generation that's now up and coming into college right now are actually cognizant and talking about like capitalism and uh you know money in in relation to the arts and i i'm really curious to see like what our artistic creative climate is even going to look like in 20 uh, years because we are talking uh, about things uh, like as a as a culture that we were not talking about before. This went on a huge tangent, um, but ultimately, like I like celebrities. Obviously, I fucking love Meryl Streep. Love her, and I know you love her too. And I think it is like so dangerous to like want to like literally be like I want to be like them because it's just like you are not gonna have that journey. And oh, I remember what I was gonna say. I feel like sometimes people try and imitate celebrities' journeys because they think that that is what works to get you to a certain level. And I, I think that that will inherently almost never yield uh, a happiness <laughs> or yeah. joy. Sorry, that was a giant uh, tangent. I was trying to find my train. <laughs> That's okay. But I, yeah. And, you know, Aaron and I have different perspectives on this because – I definitely, well, I should, I guess I should make a qualifying statement here. Like, I am obsessed with all of the creative things I do. It fuels me. It is what I do when I'm home alone. It's what I do at 2 a.m. It's what I think about when I first wake up. I love that. And I also do feel like if I do the work that I'm capable of, I need to allow myself to believe that it can take me to that place where I might one day be a celebrity or I might one day be very famous, even though that's not what necessarily I'm seeking out. But I like to hold that. I like, I like to hold that space for myself. I know that's not what, that's not what you're talking about. Yeah, that's not, that's not all what I mean. There's a huge difference between, yeah, there's like a big difference. I think that you're setting yourself up for a life of disappointment if you're tying up your like worthiness into your visibility that's what I was trying to get at you did it in one sentence I talked for 10 minutes and I couldn't get there (laughs) but it's okay but hey that's why this podcast is here because this is all I think about (laughs) (laughs) I I should be able to do it in a sentence or two if it's uh, (laughs) if if I'm living up to the (laughs) to the uh the energy behind this yeah because I think it's like I think it's healthy I think it's healthy to dream and I think it's healthy to tell yourself like I'm in this class that's I was really unsatisfied with my journey as a teacher 
uh, I was teaching voice lessons and still I'm teaching voice lessons, but for a while I was, um, I was really not satisfied because of everything that we've been talking about here today. This like, I was like, I don't want to teach people how to do technical things all the time because that's not where my love of this craft lies. That's not where my, some people are obsessed with technique in a way that like it fuels them. And that's wonderful. And that's not me. I was pretending to be that for a long time, but that's not the part that, um, that I'm excited about. But anyway, <laughs> I like, I came into this course expecting to be like, yes, I'm taking this course so I can figure out how to make voice lessons work in a way that feels good to me. Really what I've come out with is like not thinking about voice lessons at all. I'm like creating a community and a podcast and all of this stuff that I would never have even like dreamt about. Just, I mean, in, in this way, like, I don't know, even like six weeks ago, <laughs> I wouldn't have, I can't remember now why I started talking about this. Um, but, oh, I know now because I was about to talk about being delusional and I think we need to give ourselves as creatives <laughs> so much space to be delusional and to explore and to ask ourselves all these questions and to be like, obviously I'm capable of this and this and this, like I'm totally good enough to win an Oscar. That doesn't mean that I'm acting specifically so that I can get an Oscar because that would probably lead me to a lot of disappointment. But acting and like doing things in the best way that I know how to do. Like, I love having space for that and space for like, oh, and I also am totally good enough to have an Oscar manifesting my EGOT. Um, yeah, I think there's I a lot of space for all of us to have like those different, those different dreams. I think the important part is that the source is coming from something that's really authentic to us, mm -hmm. not tied up in, in external shit. Yeah, I think what I was trying to get at is like, I think seeking to imitate for outward validation is not sustainable. I think that was yeah. like, if I could sum it up in one sentence, but like, okay. listen, I spent a good amount of my day, like, I call myself like a chronic daydreamer, or as my fiance Jordan calls it, my, I just like, will stare at a wall and like zone out. Um, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> maybe I need to talk to a psychologist about this. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> I am definitely a huge daydreamer and I agree with what you said, Gabby, in terms of like, if like you have to believe in yourself a hundred percent because it like, there's no guarantee anyone else will, um, you have to leave room for dreams and big ones, if that is what you want. Um, and if you are only seeking, if you if you only feel worthy or like an artist or worthy as an artist, when you have won an Oscar, I think that you will be very unhappy for a long time. And like, I'm Absolutely. using like the, the second person you, I'm not talking about you, Gabby, but. Um, oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if I said that to you? That would be so fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, Gabby, good luck with that Oscar. Gabby, I have to tell you something. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, <laughs> At the end, of, if you did say that to me, though, I am delusional enough that I'd be like, okay, and that's your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, and? Yeah, I'd be like, uh-huh. Okay, next. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a funny industry <laughs> that we're in. Um, I, I was literally just talking about this yesterday. 
where I feel like so much of like pursuing air quotes, professional full-time like creativity is completely paradoxical, at least for me, because if, like I said earlier, you know, if I'm actively thinking like, Hmm. I have to be an Emmy award winning screenwriter. Like I have to write the next Breaking Bad. And if I like, which I would love to do. Are you kidding me? I would love to write the next big cultural phenomenon show. Like, it's not gonna come Are you kidding from, me? from trying to do it. But right, if I think about yeah. that all the time, I it will I will never be able to write that. Um yeah. but yeah, of course when I write, I'm like, maybe this play is really, really, really good. I think that every day. Yeah. Your yeah. plays are really good too. Thanks, bud. Another thing in this class that, that they talk about. <laughs> I had it in my brain and then it just disappeared. What were we just saying? Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, something they have talked about in this class is that like, anytime you say yes to one thing, you are saying no to something else. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, keeping that in mind when you're prioritizing your time and your energy. And I think that that next to what you just said, that way that it's like, if you're saying yes to these creative ideas that aren't mm-hmm. really connected to you, then you're saying no to the ones that are. Or like Aaron's version of the next Breaking Bad is not going to be found from saying yes to ideas that got to the original Breaking Bad. Um, exactly. That's just like repeating everything that we've already been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of like a good, like, Aaron, based on that conversation that you and I just had, do you have any questions about what the IME Collective is about? I feel like we talked about a lot of really key things there. Creativity being like, unique and intuitive um you know things not well, being based in the technical like what other kind of questions might you have about IME collective and this space based on that so my understanding is that you are creating like a space a community for this type of more like healthy sustainable creativity and I guess my question is, what does that look like concretely in the world? Like, is this going to be a forum where people can come together to talk and connect? Uh, and or are you like meeting with people? Are you doing activities? Like, I'm curious, you know, I'm a teacher. And so I'm thinking like, what am I going to do with my class tomorrow, Monday, you know, 829? Like, what is on my lesson plan, right? Like, that's how my brain functions a lot of the time. So that's my question for you. Yeah. What it looks like right now in this concrete world is first, I'm bringing this podcast here to you, my, to this wonderful audience of, of creatives and of artists. And so you can get to know me and understand, you know, what I'm about and what my ideas are on this. And so I can get feedback from, from you, my audience, and engage with you. And I, I want to get to know you, my audience, as creators. Um, and I just feel like a podcast is a great way to to consistently be engaging with, with a community um, and to consistently be getting, like, new thoughts out in the world or talking about different thoughts. And I would like to have lots of other guests on this podcast. I want to talk to creatives of all kinds. And this kind of goes back to devising where I think it's so valuable to be able to meet 
tons of different creatives and build community with people who don't practice necessarily what your practice is. Like mm-hmm. it's important for actors to not only be friends with or in community with other mm-hmm. actors. Yeah, that's the same with anything. Yeah, so it's it's about community and building community. And I have I'm working on building these spaces um, on social media. You can go on TikTok or on Instagram to IamMe.Collective, and that's where this um, growing space right now is housed. I do have some really exciting plans and offerings that I will tell Erin about off the air. Yeah, um, that's right. I get to know and you all don't. Erin, <laughs> you'll get some sneaky peek info to help me answer your question a little further. But for everyone else who's listening, just know to like stay tuned um, because this is a growing community and I'm really excited about um, things that I have in the work behind the scenes for you guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, it's all just been, it's been such a long kind of like it's just been a really interesting journey getting here and like talking about that artistic journey and talking about like like I was saying my freshman year of college is where I had that kind of earth shattering like oh no I don't actually I'm stupid about music <laughs> when I had never felt stupid about music you can't be stupid about music let me be very clear <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's how I, I was sometimes made to feel um, before all of that, just going into my backstory a little more for, for people who don't know me as well as Aaron does. So Aaron, thank you for being here and listening. Yes, I was <laughs> going to say, I would love to hear more about your artistic journey and how yeah. you got here. Of course. Like if you have any questions, even though you do know me better than pretty much every single person who's going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Still, if you have any questions, I would I'd love to hear them. And of course, I'm I'm talking to you also. Um, um I think you should talk about your journey while I think of more questions. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, I was going to say I so I started off um at this place called Bay in my hometown. I'm from a small town called Bellingham, Washington, in Washington State. Um it's near Canada it's north of Seattle it's right on the water it's very beautiful but there's this little place called Bellingham Arts Academy for youth and as a kid I did plays there and made friends and really found like a home there and I get mushy-gushy about it because it really for me feels like Bay was um they used to have these little bumper stickers <laughs> that you could buy there that said, like, my child sleeps at home but lives at bay. Aww. They were really cute. And I was one of those kids who found so much love and acceptance and community and safety there. So that was, like, my early my earliest associations with theater and with acting and singing were all, like, in that creative space, like, playing around with other kids and, like, having supportive adults um like in that bay community like nurturing creativity and nurturing like friendship and community building and all of those things I'm so fortunate to have had that I was going to make a list earlier I was like how many plays did I do at bay I think I did 16 different programs at bay yeah wow and that was just fifth through eighth grade Busy. 
Yeah, I was I was there all the time doing things and I loved it. And then I, you know, went and continued that journey in high school. And high school for me was where those maybe limiting beliefs, maybe kind of harder things started to come in where I was like at that point in my life I hadn't, you know, come out to myself yet or to anyone else. Like I dated these this talented guy. <laughs> um and that was a like that for me was kind of the start of where my creativity where I started to like hide myself mm. like comparing myself to this person that I was in a relationship with and oh, how people God. responded which is yeah mm-hmm. it's hard it's hard because and Aaron and I this is something that I know that we both and many people share and you know there's a, a there is a way that um female presenting people have to work in the in the creative field and there is a way that you know, presenting people have to work or I should say maybe get to work <laughs> in mm-hmm. a creative field and that's a generalization but you know in, in general you know men can come into a, a creative space and kind of thrive without as much heartache as their like counterparts um and that was one of these things is seeing the way that people would react to my boyfriend all the time about like he and I would be the lead roles in the play. Like everyone would fawn over him. And like he was very charismatic and just had that kind of air about him. And I slowly was kind of wallflowering and becoming more and more insecure. It's so funny, Gabby, because, well, it's not funny, but (laughs) it's actually not funny at all. Um, When I first met you, when you were, were you a sophomore? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Gabby Gabby was a sophomore. So she was like, yeah, you were you weren't twenty one because I went on your twenty one run with you. Um, so she was a sophomore. I was a, in my third year of undergrad, and I remember thinking you were really shy. And you like you were a really shy, like introverted person. And I mean, you contain multitudes, obviously. So, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, but now I don't think of you as shy at all. Um, I think of you as a very open, outgoing. It, like in general a very like outgoing uh person and I I've reflected on that a lot in our recent years of friendship of just like your your journey is like palpable um and it's I it's it's been beautiful to watch you like come into your into your own it's been really inspiring thank you oh my gosh that's so meaningful for me to hear thank you for saying that Really gives me fuzzies. <laughs> but keep going with your story. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that was that was just that kind of that. So that kind of gives you an idea of maybe where I was going into college from. So it's like that kind of little confidence I did still have in that area with like that that like going into as an eighteen year old like your freshman year of college and being a little bit insecure already kind of starting to be in this place of like comparing yourself to the people in your circle um and then having teachers suddenly being like you know nothing (laughs) like everything everything you know is wrong obviously like that kind of that wasn't great (laughs) and I just was so insecure after that and suddenly was like oh I don't know how to do anything that I thought I knew how to do and that summer 
I journey on the surface, if you're looking back at it through highlights or something might not reflect this because I am, you know, very lucky that most of the time I did get cast in the, the musical that I wanted to be in, or I did get the role I wanted, or I, I was really lucky to have this opportunity that I didn't expect. And so all of that was happening while I was simultaneously dealing with like wildest like anxiety and insecurity. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is an example of that where I auditioned for um, the, the program that Aaron and I went to. We went to Western Washington University, by the way, if we haven't mm-hmm. said the name of the college yet. But they do a, a summer theater, summer season, um, and you're compensated for it. And so I auditioned for that my freshman year, not expecting to get in at all. Like, so insecure like there's no way that I would get into this because you know they have all these upperclassmen and then I did get in and I ended up playing one of the principal roles in one of the musicals they did that summer um it's funny because I'll talk to my my teacher my voice teacher she directed that show at that time and like when I talk to her about that show now she'll say things to me about how like I was the obvious choice that role and she's like no it was you like you walked in and it was like there was no one else who it could have been just it was you i'm like that's insane because i on the other side of that at the time like there i would get sick like before rehearsal in the mornings because i would be so nervous that i couldn't eat i couldn't do these things my anxiety around performance was so strong that like i like one morning i threw up in a practice room i was warming up because it just like i just had all of this this like this angst and and this also I was going through like some wild stuff in my personal life as well with my family um that kind of thing definitely has shown up for me in my in my art but um if I could just if you don't mind if I could just like say something super quick um I'm just thinking about how like like something you said earlier about like you know outwardly your journey might look so different to others. Um, And I think that, you know, really something that I do all the time is I have to reconnect with, like, this is about my own, like, creative health is almost how I think about it. Because, you know, they're, like, I feel similarly in some ways where, you know, I can think back to, like, some of my worst, least healthy mentally, emotionally, which then manifested physically, creative times. And outwardly, I was still doing things. I was still participating. I was still, you know, uh, getting work put up or being cast in things. And so, you know, I think that's something to really keep in mind for, um, for listeners or people who want to start shifting their perspective towards this is like I constantly have to remind myself like it is about my own like kind of this is like a personal thing and again it comes it kind of comes back to like you know I need to not worry like oh I can't talk about this because people will listen and think like well she was still doing things she was still getting stuff done you know she was still participating like what does she have to be you know, and this is like how my toxic brain works, but like, what does she have to be like anxious about or upset about? And it's like, it's all for me, it is just all about the personal creative health of it doesn't matter. You could be the busiest person in the world on fucking Broadway. And if like, 
and that's great. But how are you maintaining your artistry so that you can book another gig? Absolutely. Yeah. So I just, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off or anything, but I, I just wanted to say that while it was still relevant. No, I, I'm happy that you said that. It's a really, really important thing to touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, super important. We're, we can be really quick to assume things mm-hmm. about like everybody. I don't think that that's helpful. So mm-hmm. thank, yeah, thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of like, that really, that was an interesting, not my lowest point. <laughs> Um, but that was where anxiety that start, things started like manifesting in a really interesting way for me. Like physically I would get sick and I was stressed and it was affecting my relationships. And there were just these different things that I hadn't really experienced yet. Um, so it was like a couple build up, a couple years of build up of me kind of like closing myself off and sheltering myself and like protecting myself here I was feeling like the worst I'd ever felt. (laughs) But that kind of went on for a while longer. And then I, this is, this is, I wouldn't really talk about this, but it is really, it's relevant to the story. Um, I was in a, you know, relationship with someone who, similarly to like my boyfriend in high school, was really good and well, you know, theoretically was really good at that time and everyone was drawn to them and they were very charismatic and he treated me really horribly and my lowest point that I experienced was dealing with the aftermath of this relationship that I'd had with this person um who ended up you know he was a TA so I was in a creative space with him dealing with like aftermath of of these things I won't get into right now but that was really hard and led to even more closing off and at that point I felt I feel now looking back on it like I was like chronically disconnected from my body and I had to be just to survive because it was just awful being in that space with him after day and so he graduated and then this thing happened in one of my acting classes where, um, you know, we were doing this thing called viewpointing, which is this exercise um, where you, well, it's kind of hard to explain. Yeah, I, would, <laughs> I literally <laughs> never know how to explain it to people. Yeah, viewpointing is a method of, a method you can use for device theater. It started off as, as a way of uh, putting language to dance so that you could like, describe movement um and then it has it's adapted into theater but sometimes it's kind of physical like you're running around the space doing like not sometimes it's always physical but sometimes like you are physical with another person sometimes you're just by yourself and so we were there was this class thing happening and there was a physical gesture kind of thing that happened in that class and a physical interaction I had during a viewpoint that was for me very triggering and suddenly like it was like it brought all that stuff to the surface I had been like armored up against um for my own 
well, for, you know, because trauma, that's what trauma does to you. You can't, you don't choose necessarily to armor up, but that can be the result of um, learning how to survive with whatever, whatever's happened. And so that was like a big moment where I was like, oh, I'm not okay. And I had, you know, I asked friends to like walk with me to the counselor's office because I was like, I'm not okay. And I don't think I'm going to go if I don't have help. Like, I don't know how to get there by myself. I was so afraid of like talking about these things that had happened and like already I was feeling all these awful things that I had I was not equipped to feel or to manage or deal with it's like how the heck am I supposed to go and talk to a stranger about these things when I can't even like sit with myself so that took me on like a, a journey as well but um creatively at that point that was definitely my lowest point. And I originally like went into my senior year of college as a double major. And the first week of classes, I dropped my second major that I was almost done with. <laughs> um, I only had to take music history classes and I was done. I would have been a double major. But at that point I was like, if I'm taking 19 credits a quarter, I'm going to die. Like I had no, I was like, I can't do this because I was so stressed and like locked in that, this place of, of um, activation, I guess. Like my body was locked in that trauma. This is not a trauma podcast, but <laughs> um, it is. Trauma is often connected to our creativity. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. absolutely. And for me, I, it's been very connected to my, my healing. The, the mm-hmm. healing of my trauma and the healing of my like creativity have occurred during like the same kind of window of my life. So there are a lot of things that want like a lot of times my creative journey inspired my journey, like healing these, these issues in my personal life and and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Healing my trauma absolutely did leaps and bounds for my creativity, and I can't emphasize that enough for listeners. Like you know, it can be hard to seek help for things that you might be struggling with and you can, you know, you can still do it. And I recommend it like as hard as it is. Like, I'm really thankful that I, I'm going to get like a little emotional about it. Like my friends like Aaron and other friends who have just such an incredible source of support for me. Um, so just know that like, you're not alone and you have people who you can reach out to if you need someone to help you schedule an appointment if you need it's okay to ask for help even if it's scary I would say um really try but that kind of um (laughs) sorry there's not like an organic segue from that into (laughs) talking about Aaron your discord the way that the window is coming from the light behind you you look like you have a halo and like I saw that right as I was talking about what a good friend you are (laughs) I was like my angel literally an angel uh for anyone who didn't know I'm gonna I'm gonna (laughs) film this for my for my daily for my tiktok for today I want to get this this angel moment angel moment it's real (laughs) Um, okay, I'll, there continue. We go. I'll continue, continue while you film <laughs> I'm already but, done so I had come in to that first quarter of my senior year of college uh at my absolute lowest point chronically disconnected from my body like 
just now starting to open up and like talk about certain mental health things that I've been struggling with. And I was, <laughs> when my appendix ruptured, <laughs> that's a really big part of my story is this, my appendix rupturing um, because I was not listening to my body or paying any attention to myself or my needs or taking care of myself at all. I was so focused on just going to rehearsal, going to class, graduating, producing, 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 like doing my acting stuff and doing my creative work. Uh, mm -hmm. but as we've been touching on, practicing in a way that was really incredibly unsustainable. Um, I think that anytime you are practicing something without being connected to yourself, it's probably not very sustainable. It might be kind of like a really sweeping thing to say. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll flip that. I guess things will be most sustainable if you are practicing from a place of like presence and connection to yourself. But that like I was going through that time in my life in my acting classes and I was just so focused on everything else that I wasn't paying any attention to myself as I started to get sick. And I was in this play while I got I got sick and I started to have a fever and I was like, "Oh, I think it's just the flu. It must just be the flu." It got worse and worse over the course of a weekend. And then this like Saturday night happened and like, I had the most painful thing I'd ever experienced in my life. These physical sensations in the middle of the night, like it woke me up and my body was like in this full like spasm, this like cramp. And that happened twice. And again, me, I was so disconnected from my body. I just thought nothing of it. I was like, oh, I'm going back to sleep. Didn't do anything about it. And I just got sicker and I'm, you know, I got this fever that was getting worse instead of better. And I was like, this is so weird. I've been resting. I've been drinking water. Why am I sick? And that went on for a couple of days. And I finally went to the health center and they were like, well, we don't know. You need to go to the ER because like, we don't have the, the equipment to like give you a scan that we want to give you to make sure that it's not your appendix. And I had like atypical symptoms. Anyway, that's, I can get more into the story later. <laughs> I'm looking, I remember I'm, you like texting me about this being like, oh, I'm going to the health center. Like this fever just won't go away. And I was like, oh, okay, let me know. And then the next text I got was like, I'm going to the ER. They think it might be my appendix. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, no, it's not. And then the next text I got was like, like, I remember this so vividly. I was at Bellwood Acres behind the counter working and I checked my phone. I had this huge text from you that was like, I'm going into emergency surgery. My appendix is ruptured. And I was just like, yeah. I like turned to my like 60 year old coworker, Linda. And I was like, my friend could have died this week. It was just like fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I have to title this episode. Welcome to the IME Collective and Gabby's near-death experience. Oh my but god. But yeah, I went to the health center and they told me to go to the ER. And again, I just cannot emphasize enough that I neglecting myself. Like to the it was just awful. I almost didn't go to the hospital because I was like, whatever. It's just the flu. Like I'm fine. It's just, I just need to rest. And so I almost didn't go. If I hadn't gone, if I had continued to just ignore what was going on with my body, it's like so hard to say, it's weird to say it, but like, then I, I would have died. Yeah, because it was, I did it was I, really close. 
it was way too close. Yeah, I did go to the, so it's like they, they think that it had ruptured that, that Saturday night when I was, when I woke up, because that was normally what happens if your appendix ruptures is you'll have a crazy amount of pain and then no pain at all because the pressure has subsided because your appendix is ruptured. Um, But then, you know, you get sicker and sicker and that's what was happening to me. I got to the ER and I was there for a couple hours and I got in and sure enough, I, yeah, I was like, it's not going to be my appendix. And then they came out and they're like, uh, so not only is this your appendix, like your appendix has ruptured, but it's also formed an abscess. So it was like, I was getting, uh, the infection was getting worse and it had fully ruptured and had been that way for days. And I was just like ignoring it. Like it was no big deal. And that was like the lowest point probably in my life like at that that time in terms of like awareness of my body and my needs and like taking care of myself it does tie into my creative story (laughs) uh partly because I was in a show and so I was like whatever I'm still doing the show and so I'm like performing this show after my appendix had already ruptured like it's no big deal uh because my priorities were not I was not focused on myself it was in recovery from this surgery that I had like one of the biggest shifts in my life, like creatively. It was so weird. It was about two weeks after um, and we were finishing up the quarter. I was in um, a physical theater class, one of our devising classes. And so because, you know, obviously I was recovering from surgery, so I couldn't really run around. So I sat and observed and we did this thing called stamina day. Where one of the <laughs> things we did this uh, method of theater called um, the Suzuki. It's a physical, highly stylized um, genre or kind of training method. Would that be the word? Form because they do okay. they. It's very physical, and so I wasn't able to participate. But we did stamina day, so for three hours, the rest of my class had to do intense Suzuki work, and I watched. And it was at the end of this three hours where I felt like I'd, I don't know, something in me like shattered. I started crying watching like my classmates do this intense, slow walk like down one end of the space and back after doing all of this highly intense physical like there's so much energy in that space and like everyone was sweating and like I started crying because I suddenly was like makes me like gives me a lumpy throat now talking about it but I was like wow they are so strong I was just in complete awe of my classmates and my like my team my ensemble and I was just like that is so beautiful like Everybody just did that and I just watched and like what a gift it is for me to watch such strong people doing this and like putting all of their energy into something. And then I just like had this realization where I was like, I'm in this space too. Mm -hmm. That means that I'm here because I'm also strong. I'm just like them. And I just had this wild moment of like, worthiness that I had never ever felt that's like so much changed for me then it's like one of these things where that was a moment for me where I suddenly everything was different the world was entirely different and I never went back I don't know how to explain it it was really for me like a, a spiritual thing where I was just watching classmates and suddenly like 
like saw in them this thing that I needed or like it's like I trying to find the words for it, but it was like this thing that was in me was finally like reflected elsewhere so I could see it. I could mm-hmm. see myself a part of this beautiful whole because I was like connected to them and observing and like giving all of my energy and presence to just watching them and their experience. And because of that, like, oh, oh my God, it was just like the most affirming thing. And suddenly everything changed and I got really confident as an actor and I had so much fun in acting classes and I felt myself starting to like, this was a long journey that's taken place over the last few years. But this moment was like absolutely the first, I would say like catalyst in my journey towards like creative acceptance and belonging and just love. It's like since then, there was this part of myself that like died. I almost really died for real. (laughs) But in that there was some part of me that it was like my body just let go of. I don't even know how to like put real scientific words or anything to it because it was so like intangible this like feeling we've we've kind of talked about this like privately a few times but first of all I do think a, a part of you that needed to die died when your appendix ruptured and then like that moment was you like releasing it I genuinely believe that like I don't know what the scientific justification would be, but spiritually, like, absolutely. And from an outside perspective, like, night and fucking day, night and day, like, wild. Um, But we've, yeah, we've talked about that, like, I often get really, and maybe this is, like, pretentious of me, but I get sad people who don't connect, take time through in their lives to connect with themselves, like, on this in this wavelength in terms of like it's so much more than than like being an actor or writing a play or uh going to class and unfortunately I think a lot of people who go through undergraduate acting programs experience a lot of toxicity and abuse um and that is also extremely sad but I feel like this work this like theatrical work like my life would be different in every single possible way down to like who I am as a person and how I see the world and how I interact with the world. Like this training and this mindset genuinely affects every single thing I do. It affects every moment of my day. It affects how I see the world, how I see other people. It's made me more empathetic it's made me more appreciative of, you know, I've been trying to practice recently, like appreciation of the mundane, because what is life, if not a collection of total mundanity? Yes. And like, there's so little I can do to control my moment to moment life. But I can control how I interact with it. And that is a direct result of like, my artistic background like I just don't know who the fuck I would be like it is like like it can be very life-changing I think in a revolutionary way absolutely absolutely I just I agree with you I can't like nod my head enough like I just (laughs) I so strongly 
agree with you. And it's just that just is bringing me back to like another reason why I want this space for people. I want us to have people to. I really believe that there's a ton of growth we can do in solitude. And I think that it's so important to have community. It's so important to have people you can share your discoveries with and who you can, who you can, you can see yourself in. Obviously Mm -hmm. we all want, we all want to belong. Like seeing yourself in a room of incredibly kind people incredibly smart people talented so just whatever like it helps you to be like oh right there's that part of there's part of me in there too and like I can accept this and I belong here I'm supposed to be creating like I have this voice and it's not like the person next to me is or the other person next to me but like the three of us somehow combined have created like this masterpiece just by showing up in the same space and offering our presence to each other. I think that that's just so wildly important. Yeah. And just like in a world and in a world, in a world, <laughs> and especially like at this point in time and at this place in the world, like there are so many things we have no control over. There's so many unjust systems. There's so much hardship that we simply cannot control and I just like I can't stress enough that kind of like whenever I talk about this I'm always talking about like a like it's I've said this word a couple times but like a personal practice because you know I I can't control how the world sees me or how I how the world interacts with me but I can control how I interact with the world and it won't solve every problem it's certainly but um it can be really free <laughs> oh my gosh I feel like light <laughs> I do too oh I've had such a good day this is so ugh. I love talking about this with you I love talking about this with you too oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> yeah gremlin laugh yeah <laughs> that is how I feel I just it I feel like I'm just so glad like just I don't know if you need to keep this in the actual podcast but like Gabby I'm so glad you and I have like stayed friends just because I mean for many reasons but (laughs) like I like you I think you're cool and fun Um, (laughs) I enjoy spending time with you and I just feel like we knew each we've known each other through these like very specific times in each other's lives and it's so I don't know I don't have like a lot of like close friends from my childhood uh because I moved a lot and I was also a bully for a long time so no one liked me um but it is really it's been such a amazing experience to like have this friendship with you um, through the formative years of like my young adulthood um, because I feel like we can like do this like we can talk about these points in our lives and have like a perfect understanding of like you know oh yeah I, I remember that time and I feel like I'm just describing friendship but I'm not great at making and keeping friends so this is a profound experience for me oh I'm like so emotional right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're gonna cry like every single episode you record, guaranteed. I probably am. <laughs> <laughs> Brace yourselves, Aaron. I just love you. Like I love you to death. I'm so. I just want to echo everything you said. I'm just so thankful to have like a wonderful friend in you. Also, can we talk about how the sun is shining behind me and it's shining forward onto you? Right onto me. So it's almost like we're in the same room and not 2,500 miles apart. It is just like that. And yeah, I'm gonna... it's like you're sitting in front of me. <laughs> oh my! Now I have to take a picture of that. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, thank you so much Erin for being here with me you and for asking thank you to all of you wonderful listeners for listening and tuning in um there is some stuff about my kind of backstory and artistic journey that I might do a quick summary of in our next episode um I am just obsessed with everything Erin, thank you that you said today with me. I feel like we just had such a wonderful conversation about like uh, I am me collective and just kind of the the spirit behind it, like the intention and the things that I think are important to me. And I'm so happy I was able to talk with you specifically about it because you know so much of, like you said, you've gone through so much of this journey with me and uh, and alongside me, and we have our own experiences going through the same formal training. Mm -hmm. And I just like, you have such a valuable, wonderful perspective on, on all things. Okay. <laughs> but I was like, Erin is going to be the perfect guest for my first episode. So I love I, being called perfect. <laughs> perfect in every way. Well, thank you so I, much for having me. Um, yeah, I really believe in everything you're doing and I support you endlessly. Um, Gabby is a generous, generous collaborator um, and friend. So if you are listening and you are thinking about reaching out, I highly encourage it. You could not ask for a more open-hearted, open-minded, uh, generous person to meet and collaborate with. Thank you so much oh my gosh thank you and for everyone listening i'm going to link in the show notes um the book that i talked about and the book that aaron recommended so you'll get those recs down there and again if you um you want to stay tuned join this community i want to learn about you i want to hear about you and what makes you tick creative creatively by that like Something about saying the word tick and then creative, like, it fucked me up. <laughs> uh, but I want to know, I want to know what you're all about. And I want to know, how have you maybe struggled with formal training or with, like, balancing technique and, and spirit? Or, or not at all. If you don't want to balance technique, just chill. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good with whatever floats your boat is, is good for me. Floats mine, too. Um, but anyway, if you are wanting to be a part of this community and learn more, you're already a part of this community, um, just by listening, but go on TikTok or Instagram to iamme.collective. Um, that's where you can stay up to date with more, uh, and hopefully get to know me better and I'll hopefully get to know you better too. So 
just thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I love you and I'm obsessed with you and I just can't wait to see what you're working on. So thank you.